Coming up on Stu Does America, the media used to love Elon Musk and his electric cars and solar panels and wind-powered roller skates or whatever the hell he's doing over there. But despite telling us over and over again that global warming is the world's biggest threat, they are now throwing him to the curb. So sad. Speaking of global warming, CNN is bringing in Greta Thunberg to their coronavirus town hall for some reason. Maybe to talk about her three doctorates that she apparently has in virology, uh, epidemiology, and the making of Swiss Miss hot chocolate, I believe are the three that she has. Remember, you can watch the show every single night for free. Whenever you want, just go to YouTube and search for Stu. I'll be the first one there. Don't forget to click the bell for video alerts and subscribe and comment. The more interaction we get, the more YouTube likes us until the unavoidable moment that they delete our channel and call us a bunch of evil racists. You can also get the show on Pluto every night, 8 p.m. Eastern, and on podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review. Five stars is the correct number of stars. Elon Musk has named his kid XAEA12 Musk. And the AE is pronounced Ash. Obviously. I really can't criticize that, considering my name is Steve, but everybody pronounces it as Stu. Stu does America. Before we get into this today, we have slaved away on this show together to try to prove to the rest of the world one piece of universal truth that Andrew Cuomo sucks. And it's finally paying off. Have you noticed a significant uptick the last few days when it comes to the number of people admitting the obvious that Andrew Cuomo sucks? This guy's been on a pedestal for months, and this audience, pretty much by itself, by the way, has been sitting at the bottom of it, chipping away, slowly weakening that foundation with each and every Cuomo screw-up. Chip, chip, chip. And now the whole thing is collapsing. Congratulations. You're making a difference, and Andrew Cuomo still sucks. Okay, on to Elon Musk. After being told he wouldn't be able to open his Tesla plant, He said that he was going to do it anyway, and you should just go ahead and arrest him if you want. The other thing he said was that he might just pull his factory and all those jobs out of the state and plop them in Texas. This would be great, although someone should probably remind Elon that Texas is one of the only states where you can't technically buy a Tesla. It's one of the few ridiculous protectionist limitations on business here in Texas, and it relates to the way car dealerships work here. Long story short, you could bet that if he did move the factory here, that restriction would evaporate quickly. And the threat of his movement has apparently changed some minds in California as well. It's magic. Elon Musk has won his battle to open up the business that he owns, which is the dumbest sentence I've ever uttered in my entire life. But sometimes we need a reminder from either a billionaire electric car developer or a salon owner or a pastor that we have more control of this rickety old ship than we think. In this country, at least, we lead the government, not the other way around. Sometimes I think we forget that. But it's not just a flag-waving talking here. The numbers tell the same story. This is a breakdown of cell phone data from the New York Times. And don't you worry at all about the New York Times having access to cell phone data. No problems at all. The first thing you will notice from this data is about 21% of the population is just home anyway under normal circumstances. You lazy bastards. I can't believe you. So what percentage were actually staying at home 
after this crisis kind of kicked in, right? Keep in mind that about 15% of the population is qualified as an essential employee, which is a meaningful standard that I meet, which shows you how meaningful it is. So this number should be, in theory, you'd think like 85% minus some grocery store shopping and transport, you know, transportation needs, maybe picking up your local prostitutes, whatever it is that you do, okay? So what was it in reality? Only 42%. You guys are not good listeners. It almost seems like people were making decisions based on their surroundings and not what their governor told them. Hmm. For example, which states sheltered the most? You're not going to believe this list. It's crazy. New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Michigan, and Connecticut. I found a crazy correlation here. Guess where those states ranked in the, in the death rate? One two, three, four, and six. You said five, didn't you? No, one, two, three, four, and six. How about the biggest change in percentage of those staying home? So you stay, some percentage stays home before. How, you, know, you find out later on how many people decided to change their life and stay home. The top five in percentage is New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Maryland. How do they rank in death rate? One, two, three, four, and nine. You said six, didn't you? Hmm, unbelievable. What are the odds that those would correlate so closely? I'm shocked. Strangely, Kentucky, who's had some of the harshest lockdown rules, has had one of the smallest percentages of people to shelter. Hmm. In fact, a higher percentage moved to shelter in Utah and North Dakota who don't even have lockdown orders. Congratulations to the governor of Kentucky. All of your nonsense accomplished exactly nothing. Now that things are opening up, what state ventured out the most from its peak? Number one, Michigan. Famous for its very restrictive stay-at-home order, which is very much still in place right now. Overall, 42 states instituted some form of stay-at-home order. In those states, an additional 20% started to shelter, okay? Plus 20% if you had a government order. In the states that never had a government order, it was plus 17%. So all of this crap, it was a three-point difference. When it comes to opening things up, the average state with a stay-at-home order had 7.8% of their population come out last week. The average for states with no stay-at-home order, 7.8%. The exact same. You people just do not listen to authority. You seem to be just using your common sense to do what you think is best for you and your family. It's almost American bastards. What does all this incredibly specific cell phone location data tell us other than the fact that you're not paranoid, you are being followed? We spent a lot of time talking about what kind of order came from some random government official and very little time actually listening to that random government official. Here's another way to look at this data. This is from 538. It shows exactly when people started staying at home. Let's look at a few states. Uh, there are a few things that you can take from these graphs. We have New York, Texas, Delaware, and Nebraska. Four totally different states and four totally different solutions. And their graphs look almost identical. Everyone shelters at about the same time. 
at about the same rate, including Nebraska, which never even had a stay-at-home order. But with Delaware, Texas, and New York, all of their stay-at-home orders happened after they hit their peak percentage of staying at home. In other words, people stayed home and then the government told them to stay home. In this country, we lead the government, not the other way around. Now, there were various recommendations and suggestions as this was happening, but the government orders made really no difference whatsoever. Did I cherry pick those states? Of course, I probably did, right? I'm a jerk. Well, let's look at all 50 states at once. Here they are. They're tiny. You're going to have to zoom in, get your eyes super duper close to your cell phone and look at all these graphs. I think you can get the sense here. And if you're listening on podcast, I will describe them for you. They all look the same. In how many states did the people go home at peak levels before the government told them to? All of them. Every single state sheltered at home at their peak rate before the government told them to. That is amazing. And you'll notice every graph looks pretty much identical with states that closed early or late or never closed at all. I'd also like to note that every state started leaving their house more often before the government pulled any of the stay-at-home orders. So much of the cable news back and forth has been about what the government is telling us to do. What a waste of time. I mean, sure, we have to call out when they're arresting salon owners and pastors and enviro billionaires. That's important. It is. But in a weird way, we should feel empowered by this. The government doesn't decide when we protect our families. We do. The government doesn't decide when we can leave our houses. We do. The government doesn't decide when Elon Musk can make his fancy electric cars for rich people. He does. And the government doesn't decide what to name Elon Musk's kid. He does. And while that last one didn't work out all that well for X-A12, I'm still glad the government wasn't involved in it. This is America we're living in. And it seems like every passing day, we're getting closer and closer to remembering that. If you're like me, you haven't been able to figure out what to do with all the extra time you used to spend at the gym. <laughs> it's so common, the problem with me. I've uh, mostly spent it, you know, eating fried foods, mostly. So what do we do now with this quarantine 19 pounds? Fast blast. That's what you need. You need fast blast. One of the biggest problems of dieting is it just takes too long. At least it is for me. Eating foods that I don't like all the time makes it possible for me to lose up to one pound a week. Whoa. Both can be difficult at times. Uh, you know, fasting can be tough sometimes. Uh, dieting can be tough sometimes. But the intermittent fasting thing is pretty cool, and you actually get results fast. With Fast Blast, they make it easy. Uh, like, the scale actually changes kind of pretty much every day, which is a nice little feeling. You feel like you've accomplished something. Fasting increases your metabolism, making it easier to lose weight and keep it off, while, you know, traditional diets can slow your metabolism. The Fast Blast smoothie is a key to this. It makes it a lot easier. It's uniquely formulated for intermittent fasting. Uh, they work really well to tide you over. Uh, the smoothies come in a convenient and easy-to-squeeze pouch. No blender, no scales. You don't even have to go to the gym to squeeze it. It's actually that easy to squeeze. There's no calorie counting. There's no carb counting. It's easy and fast, and it's Fast Blast. That's what they do. Be smart. Uh, do your own homework. Make sure you, it's, you know it's right for you. It's the right solution for you. 
Uh, learn more about fasting at fastblast.com slash blaze. Fastblast.com slash blaze. And as always, the slash blaze part is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Get started today with Fast Blast for a healthier, happier, and smaller you. Fastblast.com slash blaze. Brad Palumbo is the deputy contributors editor with The Washington Examiner. However, apparently not enough of an expert on coronavirus to be invited on CNN. Brad, uh, apparently you're not as big an, an expert, but uh, Greta Thunberg is. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I am not going to be invited on to a coronavirus panel anytime soon, and neither are you for CNN, I, I would guess. But they are having this Thursday alongside a former CDC director and a former uh, Health and Human Services Secretary. Also, drumroll, Greta Thunberg, the 17-year-old climate change activist. So it's kind of a joke because CNN and these other people have scolded us about listening to the experts, which, which we should. But then they kind of discredit themselves when they're saying, now listen to this random teenager who spouts our agenda. <laughs> it's just it's just silly, frankly. It almost feels like a troll. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine this being a serious thing. Uh, you know, I guess is there... They seem to have some excuse where they're saying she's donated money to coronavirus victims or the science or something. And that is why they're bringing her on. It's really unclear what she could bring to the table on this topic. I think what she could bring to the table on this topic is eyeballs and maybe uh, some controversy. I guess if they just decided to hit send and go full troll because they knew conservatives would criticize them for it, uh, maybe that was their goal to just spark attention to their programming. But there's no, absolutely no reason that this deeply troubled 17-year-old teenage activist with no formal schooling, insight, expertise into climate change, let alone coronavirus. I mean, she's a climate change activist who regularly says things that aren't true. But then climate change, not infectious disease, public health or economics, is even her thing. So th this makes no sense. Uh, the idea that she's raised money for COVID and that's somehow a qualification for an expert CNN special. I mean, <laughs> mm -hmm. they're kind of telling themselves on themselves there. huh? They, they really are. And, you know, it kind of shines a light on something uh, that they probably should want to draw attention away from, which is they have been telling us for years and years and years and years that the biggest threat to the globe is global warming or climate change. And here we are in a situation where we're dealing with an actual threat to the world that is much more urgent and much more devastating than climate change is, uh, certainly in the anywhere near term. And this is something that the money, the attention, the resources could have gone to pandemic preparation instead of global warming. And my guess is they don't touch on that one. Well, yeah. And the other thing they won't touch on is the fact that all the despair people are going through right now, right, whether it's being out of work, whether it's the stock market collapsing, uh, whether it's the unemployment rate skyrocketing, GDP collapsing. This is kind of a preview of life under the Green New Deal. I mean, if you think about it, 
shutting down society, eliminating fossil fuel emissions. These are the goals of AOC and Greta Thunberg. They've explicitly said, even Greta Thunberg, that she views capitalism as part of the problem that needs to be eliminated. So I think they, they want to kind of suit this coronavirus pandemic message and twist it so that they can use it uh, to push pro-climate change and pro-big government response to climate change. But actually, if anything, they need to be doing damage control because it actually shows the opposite, right? It shows why the progressive approach to solving climate change doesn't work. And maybe they're trying to do damage control with Greta Thunberg because you can't debate her. Even for me covering the fact and writing about that CNN's having her on and that that doesn't make any sense. So many people on Twitter, why are you attacking the child? Liberal <laughs> blue checks. Why are you bullying a little girl? I'm not. You're the ones putting her on your primetime Thursday CNN panel. I'm just pointing out that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, it doesn't. And you wrote a story beyond parody. Uh, CNN grabs Greta to uh, be on the expert coronavirus panel. It, it, it's in the Washington Examiner if you want to check that out. Um, it, it, it's, it's just a it's a bizarre move. And it is. Um, I, and I don't think I've ever heard Greta say uh, things that are quite this extreme, though. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she had. But, you know, there is a lot. There are many people during this uh, pandemic situation that have talked about how there are side environmental benefits uh, of 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 the pandemic. We can go back to Earth Days of, of uh, back in the day where it was commonplace. Uh, to talk about how we can't allow, you know, third world countries to come up to our level because of all the emissions they will eventually spew. Um, there is a, a long time. I like to I, I mean, much of it is anti-human at the extremes when it comes to the environmentalist movement, where you're essentially prioritizing Mother Earth over the people you're supposed to be caring about that live on Earth. Uh, and this is something that has been embraced for a long time throughout environmentalism. I, I hope that's not where Greta's going with this. But either way, it doesn't seem like she has any role on a panel like this. No, she doesn't have any role on a panel like this. And frankly, climate change should be considered a separate issue to be dealt with down the road, right? That is not what we should be worried about right now. Uh, and the fact that Greta Thunberg, AOC, and a lot of liberal professors and activists have tried to actually spin the, the lockdown and say, hey, the upside is we reduced emissions by like half of what we need to. They don't seem to get that that means Think of the costs that have come with that. And they're saying that's not even enough. And they're recommending this on a permanent basis. So for, even from their perspective, they should not want climate change and their climate policy to be a part of the, the conversation right now, because that conversation doesn't very end, end well for the Greta Thunbergs of the world and their movement. Um, I, I totally agree. And, and it's all about resources, right? We have a certain amount of resources. We need to apply them in, in, the, the, you know, in, a, in a cost-benefit analysis, which, which comes out of the highest priority. I know Bjorn Lomborg has done a, a really good job at this and talking about how we can make immediate difference for people now around the world with the same money that we would spend on climate. But I want to I want to go back to coronavirus here for a second. Um, there's a new poll out of the American people about how they feel uh, about China uh, and this and how this has uh, progressed. Uh, I am honestly furious about this. Uh, you know, this is basically shut down our economy. It's cost tens of millions of people their job just in our country alone. It's cost tens of thousands of people their lives, not to mention all the people who went to the hospital have long term illnesses now associated with covid. Um, and if we were brought into the fold and told the truth at the beginning, all of this could have been prevented. 
Um, however, China decided not to do that, and the American people are pretty pissed off about it. Yeah, and they should be. I mean, the polls show that overwhelming bipartisan majorities blame China for this pandemic, want to punish China for this pandemic, and they also view China as either an enemy or a competitor, with only 6% now saying they think China could be an ally after all of this, and for good reason. You know, one of the most infuriating things during the political discourse during this time has been some liberal journalists, I'm thinking of Daily Beast, some USA Today column those types saying that it's racist to blame China for the coronavirus pandemic. Now, it would be racist if you're applying that to, you know, animus towards Chinese Americans or the Chinese people, the people of China, but that's not it. We're talking about the Chinese regime, the Communist Party. People are saying China lied and people died, and it's, a, it's simple, but it's true. They silenced the press. They disappeared doctors who wanted to speak up on this. And international reports have shown that if they hadn't done that, we could have spread, prevented the vast majority of this spread from ever happening. So China does deserve to be uh, held accountable. And the conversation really becomes how to do it. Uh, one more here before we let you go. Uh, there was this uh, incident with the president the other day where uh, she, he was asked a question by a reporter, I believe from CBS. And the question was something on the effect of why do you think it's a global competition when it comes to testing, uh, which was legitimately one of the dumbest questions I've ever heard in my entire life. They've been challenging the administration for not testing other countries as much for months and months and months. So the fact that he brings up that we've done more tests is absolutely central to what they've been asking for when it comes to information. But after this happens, she takes off her mask to reveal a, that she is Asian-American. And the, and the fact that the president mentioned China, she's offended because why would you mention this to me? Why would you bring up China to me as if he was he's never brought up China in any other context. And now that he's he's <laughs> talking to an Asian-American reporter. All of a sudden he's discovered he doesn't like China. This is like central to everything he stands for. Um, at some level, we get to a point where. The rhetoric and conversation is so dumb, I don't even know whether we should even bother commenting on it anymore. <laughs> Well, as a journalist, I feel like I have no choice but to kind of pay attention to and weigh in on these journalist dramas. And you're absolutely right. What happened is President Trump did what he always does, rightly or wrongly, and he deflected criticism, very antagonistic criticism, but that's her right, from an ABC News reporter uh, by bringing up China. He said, go ask China why it's a competition, right? He clearly saying that he blames them. Um, which that's what he's always been saying. Mm -hmm. This entire process, he has blamed China and deflected to China. We can disagree or agree about that, but it's not racist just because he happened to do it this time to a Chinese American reporter. But that's what the liberal media and the liberal journalists were screeching about all night, two nights ago when this press conference happened. And it's a shame because, you know, I'm not one of these people that thinks President Trump does no wrong, never says anything offensive. He's said some stuff over the last couple <laughs> of years that I genuinely think is racially offensive. Mm -hmm. But this isn't one of them. And when you whine all the time, no one takes you seriously when you actually do have a point. And that's the trap that liberal journalists are falling into. I have to say, Brad, I think he said some stuff, maybe the greatest understatement uh, in the history of media. 
Um, but uh, that I will agree with you. He has said some stuff. Fred Palumbo, deputy contributors editor, The Washington Examiner. Uh, and as he points out, you know, it's not just Donald Trump blaming China. The vast majority of the American people are seeing that as well. Are they all racist, too? Maybe we'll get an answer from ABC later on. Brad, thanks for coming on the program. We're back in a second. So I'll probably be dead in about a week, uh, unfortunately, at least for me, um, because one of the leading causes of death in the United States is catching COVID-19 from a haircut. I got a haircut. I mean, I know you're thinking, of course I noticed that. It looks fantastic. Uh, it's true. Uh, this is the t- sort of life we're living here in Texas. And there's some new openings we're going to tell you about here in a minute. First, I want to tell you this about uh, about this amazing, a couple pieces of media malpractice here for a second. Um, there was a story that came out a couple weeks ago, and you you heard it on this program, and, and you heard the truth about it on this program. Now coming out, and, and, and more data is coming out to confirm it. There was a rise in bleach poisoning uh, that happened, we were told, right after uh, the president said, you know, talked about injecting disinfectant. Um, not true. Uh, we now find out that the 38% rise in bleach poisoning predated the suggestion. One of the big things about this is there's, when you have incidents that happen at, in the home, as dumb as they might be, when you're home more, they're going to occur more. This is something that's very difficult to get through to the media. Um, these things do happen, though. Uh, and if you're a conservative nerd and you're watching the show, you might understand that these percentages mean things. They actually indicate other things. And we'll, we'll go through that with the media as we, get, we go along. Um, Ms. CNN did this again. This is uh, <laughs> this tweet. Caleb Howe points this out. 68% of Americans say a coronavirus vaccine is needed before returning to normal life, a new survey finds. We actually talked about this. I think it was on the News and Why It Matters yesterday. Uh, turns out it's not even true. Um, the actual uh, you have to dig into the survey and you find it's 68 percent of Americans say an av- available vaccine is very important before returning to normal life. A new stir- survey finds those are two different things. Saying that you're like, I got to have a vaccine or I'm not walking out of the house is different than saying, like, look, finding a vaccine is really important. We'll never get back to really normal life until then. Um, I, I that's a really bad job by uh, by CNN. And, and they did wind up, I think, correcting it eventually. Um, but it's just an, yet another example of this same phenomenon. It, it, these mistakes don't seem to ever be made the other way. That's kind of the problem. Everybody can make mistakes. Uh, you know, I probably make 500 times a show. I don't even know. I don't even know what the number is. It's like the graph with coronavirus. It just goes straight up. I don't even know what it is. But the bottom line is when I screw something up, I'll at least try to tell you about it because I don't want you looking stupid quoting me and then I get the blame for it. It's frankly completely selfish. But if you're a CNN fan and you keep telling these stories to people and then you look like the idiot the next day when it's proven totally wrong. I mean, why do you keep watching CNN? It's got to be annoying. Um, There is an interesting study that came out of Indiana on coronavirus. Uh, Aaron and Carroll writes about this. um, And it it is a it's a study where they decided to do random testing. This has been one of the things we've really wanted with with covid. Instead of just testing people that come in and they're sick and they're coughing and they're hacking all over you. Can we test people who are asymptomatic, people who are just kind of hanging around? uh, They don't feel anything. We don't know. Well, they did test on this. And what they found is in Indiana, uh, they believe about 2.8 percent of all all people in Indiana have already had coronavirus or have it currently. Um, and that's lower than what we've seen in Manhattan and some of these other uh, uh, West Coast surveys. But it is about 10 times what they thought they had as far as cases go. 
Um, they believe that that would put the uh, fatality rate at about 0.6, which is worse than the flu, um, but not as bad as the scariest estimates, uh, not as good as some of the skeptical ones. So uh, it's a kind of where, honestly, we've been talking about it the whole time between 0.4 and 0.6. Um, the Lancet came out at 0.66. So we're in that general vicinity. So worse than the flu. Obviously, this has been a rough thing to deal with, um, but hopefully not at least at the high end of where this is going to end up. Um, and we do have new announcements coming tomorrow. Um, uh, actually, no, it's next week. Sorry, next week. I think it's Monday they're doing it. Um, new things in Texas are going to open, supposedly gyms. I, you know, that's a huge focus for me. When's the gym going to open? I've just been, I've been mainly just camping out outside the gym door waiting for it to open up. Um, so we'll hopefully find out about that on Monday. I think, I think the gyms are opening on Monday, and then there's a bunch of other stuff they're going to start opening up. They're at 25% capacity now, going to 50%. Things have been really good here. I mean, they've upped the tests immeasurably. We're at only a 1% um, positive rate of the people who are being tested. It's very good. Um, so right now it's positive. Um, and there are some industries, though, though I don't know how they're going to come back. One of them is live events. It's going to be a while till we're really doing live events in, in a normal way. Texas uh, is doing another uh, innovation in this field. They're actually doing a uh, concert in your car. Rangers, uh, where the Rangers used to play, they have a new stadium that's beautiful and they really want to go to it, but it hasn't even opened yet. Um, but they have, uh, they're going to do it in one of their big, gigantic parking lots. Basically, you pull up, live band playing there, and they're going to start bringing in like big national artists to try this. Hey, it's something. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. A lot of people behind the scenes who have jobs. I don't know when those things are coming back. And I don't know how comfortable America is going to be, you know, propping up, you know, concerts and sporting events. So that could be a little bit of a risky road. We'll give you more details on that uh, coming up. But it is kind of an innovative idea. I like that capitalism is at work here. Back in a second. Coming up immediately after this program is a secondary show with lesser talent. Glenn Beck, collusion confirmed how Obama sabotaged Trump. Here to preview that a little bit and give us the insight on the latest in the Michael Flynn situation, Jason Buttrell, head writer of the Glenn Beck program. Uh, Jason, give me kind of a, I want to talk about these new documents as well that came out, but give me kind of an overview of, of what you're going to go through uh, tonight with Glenn. I think that, and I think we're already starting to see the dominoes kind of fall in place, that I don't think that any of Obama's lackeys, for lack of a better term, (laughs) are going to let him go down. So I think that the more names start coming out in some of these documents that are being released and declassified, I think the more there'll be, you'll see a tendency of throwing certain people under the bus. Yeah. Like throw, uh, you know, Susan Rice, throw her under the bus. I think she'll, I don't think they'll have to because I think she'll take it anyway. I think she'll throw herself under the bus Mm -hmm. if she has to. Um, People like Ben Rhodes, who has been suspected as maybe some of the leakers uh, within the Obama administration. People like Samantha Power, which I think we'll get to her maybe a little bit later. But um, Rhodes really deserves it, though. I mean, his comments on Iran and how he was manipulating the media and admitting it in interviews. Uh, ever since then, I mean, there's just nobody who deserves something like this more than him. He's, I, I don't see, I, I don't know how he doesn't take more criticism. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a, a fiction writer by trade, goes into the administration and then admits and brags to lying to journalists <laughs> yeah. and they still give him a pass for it. Yeah. He's still one of their guys. That's incredible. It's, it's amazing. Incredible. Maybe because they're embarrassed that they allowed themselves to be railroaded. I don't know, but it's absolutely insane. So... <sighs> There's multiple facets of the story. And as you kind of follow it, there's a there's the part that's very important to Michael Flynn and his family. Right. If he was if it was a B.S. charge, 
he shouldn't have to deal with uh, the guilt, right? I mean, he should be let off, and, and that's, that's one part of it, but let's put that to the side. In, in a secondary way, there is the Trump administration uh, as a whole and Flynn's role there, and that part is important, I think, to us. However, the reason why he left the Trump administration was nothing to do with lying to the FBI. It was lying to Mike Pence, and that's why Mike, Donald Trump fired him, okay? And I, I think I have this right. So the third part of this story is the Obama administration and what they were trying to do uh, in this time period through the transition. And I think that's what conservatives are most focused on here. Am I, do I have that right? I believe so. I, I think there's multiple layers to everything involved with Flynn and Flynn is part of a larger story really. Mm -hmm. And that is everyone from the top echelons of the Obama administration to Obama himself wanted to create this appearance of some kind of Russia guilt. Mike Flynn was one of the first ones that they had, oh, okay, he, direct connection to the campaign. Mm -hmm. Let's give the appearance of guilt of something with Russia. And with that, it was his, he made it kind of easy, actually. Yeah. He gave a speech in Russia that was, you know, uh, for RT, Russia Today. They're connected to the Kremlin. You had the, the glamour shot of him sitting right there next to Putin. He was an easy target. Mm -hmm. But let's, let's, let's really look at him. He's a 30-year combat veteran, a general, and the former director of the uh, Defense Intelligence Agency, and he still had a top-secret SCI clearance. So if you're going to find something nefarious on the guy, he probably didn't have the top-secret SCI clearance at the time. Right. But he made it all too easy to attack him because of that. He did receive $40,000 for that. I mean, we've never seen that before, ever. I mean, in 2015, that same year, Bill Clinton never received $500,000 from an also Clinton-aligned uh, you know, entity. This happens all the time. <laughs> sure. Bill Clinton, the same year, got half a million dollars doing the same thing. Does not mean that you should start a counterintelligence investigation uh, and you can guarantee they didn't do that for Bill Clinton. He's married to Hillary Clinton. General Flynn is uh, attached to the Trump campaign. You can guess who got the investigation, who didn't on that one. And, and part of this, too, is that Obama's Obama and the administration didn't like Flynn, not just because he was tied to Trump, but because he was formerly with Obama like and him. they already had to fire him once. Exactly right. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they I mean, this is at least partially they didn't like Flynn as well. It wasn't just Trump focused. For, for sure. There was definitely a grudge there that went back before and mostly, I think, due for the you know, Flynn was very, very strong on criticizing Islamic terrorism. Mm -hmm. That's not the rhetoric that the right. Obama administration mm -hmm. wanted to go to. Flynn, they parted ways on that right there. But we know for a fact, and this is something we're going to reveal tonight, that there is now documents, transcripts, things that have just been declassified, that the FBI had already cleared Mike Flynn. Now, this goes towards a couple of things. It, it goes towards how we're going to show how Obama was the one that directed this all from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But it also shows, also shows that the, the case against him was dumb. Of course, the Attorney General Barr was going to drop this case because the FBI didn't have a case. The FBI dropped the case on January 4th. One day later, less than 24 hours later on January 5th, Obama, and again, we have transcripts that prove this, Obama called in Comey and Sally Yates. And that, for the first time, is when the Logan Act stuff came up. Which I mean, that's is ridiculous. just ridiculous. Absolutely. Yeah, Come ridiculous. on. They never, they never prosecute people on this. The guy was going into an administration talking to a foreign dignitary. I mean, it's, it's a ridiculous idea that that has anything to do with the Logan Act. Yeah, absolutely insane. They knew they didn't have a case on that. Yeah. And again, I don't think it was ever. I mean, again, if the FBI really had a case on that, they would have prosecuted him under the Logan Act. Yeah. But instead, they got him for lying to the FBI. Now, again, that is where this case falls apart. Lying to the FBI. You can't, you can't just go to prison for lying to the FBI. 
If that was the case, you know, the FBI came up to me and said, hey, Jason, do you like all your wife's cooking? I'm like, yeah, of course I like all. Oh, really? Because we have these trans, you know, these intercepts that say you hate your meatloaf. <laughs> Crap, you know, I'm, I'm going to jail. No, it doesn't work that way. Right. It has to be material to the case. Mm -hmm. Now, if they were asking him questions about this, if it was material to the case, they already dropped the case on, on January 4th. So they, they had to go to a secondary charge to try to tie it to it. Right. But, but, but even then, I mean, what was the, so the secondary charge of the Logan Act? Okay, fine. If it was, prosecutor of the Logan Act, not lying to the FBI on, on this stupid, you know, bullcrap uh, statement that he made. And we, we, we were showing that statement tonight as well. His statement is so ridiculous. Yeah. They're like, hey, did you call the, uh, did you talk to the ambassador about the sanctions? And he's, this is almost a direct quote. Uh, I don't know. Um, possibly. <laughs> There was nothing, do not do this. Literally, that's all it was. That's almost a direct quote. That's what landed him with this charge and what everyone's freaking out over. It's absolutely insane. Uh, that is, it is ridiculous. It does seem like they were, it's hard to know exactly what their thought process was at that point, but it was certainly to try to take down Flynn and, and, and certainly Trump being tied to that. Um, part of this too, I think, strikes me as a, a, a story where it's, not a necessarily a, an argument about Flynn being this great guy. Um, he's done some good things. I know a lot of people like him. But, I mean, again, it comes back to him lying to Mike Pence, which is the real reason he left. I mean, Donald Trump doesn't care what anybody says about charges against somebody. He didn't like the idea that, that he was not telling the truth to people in his administration. And that's why he was gone initially. Um, it's more of an, it's seemingly an argument about how bad and the intent of, uh, of the Obama administration in that transition. They seem to be, I mean, the evidence seems to point to the fact that they were targeting uh, officials uh, in the Trump administration and trying to dig up dirt because they were in that period where they just couldn't believe what happened and they kind of were reaching for anything. Is that, is that the, the, the tone of these charges, do you think? Yeah, well, I think so. I, I think, and I keep on going back to the appearance of guilt, and you're right, there was, there was multiple officials that they were targeting. Um, one, um, and we're gonna name several of these tonight, Susan Rice is a big one, Samantha Power is another big one. Um, Susan Rice was another big leaker. Uh, Samantha Power yeah. is, I just got finished reading a testimony saying that she was the largest unmasker, not leaker, I'm sorry, unmasker. Mm -hmm. She was the largest unmasker in our nation's history. Since we've had wow. these rules in our history, and she wasn't even aware of some of the numbers, which she claimed she didn't make those. Maybe somebody else used her right, name right. And, and did this unmasking. She didn't even. It is know. a great name. Samantha Power is a pretty cool name. <laughs> I gotta say that. It's, <laughs> it is, yeah, it's like a great like superhero, name, superhero right? name, right? Like <laughs> it really should. They, they should have taken more advantage of that. I mean, I'm just that's just a side point. But uh, Susan Rice, she targeted uh, Steve Bannon, Jared Kushner, mm -hmm. um, and I can't remember off the top of my head. There was a couple more that attended a meeting down uh, somewhere down on the island that was supposed to be, or no, I think it was in New York. York, and they were meeting with uh, the, the crown prince of UAE. Mm. And so immediately once this, that was unmasked, their names were unmasked, that got leaked to the press. And instantly they were like, oh my gosh, remember this? They were like a back channel to Russia. That's yeah, yeah. what they were doing. Mm -hmm. It turns out they weren't talking anything at all about Russia. It was about what the Trump administration's views in the Middle East were going to look like once he got into office. So uh, let me give you a couple of things I've heard from the left already pushing back at this. One is... People are making a big deal about this unmasking, but unmasking is what you do to find out who's on the call. So they couldn't have initiated this process knowing this was Michael Flynn to target Michael Flynn, because the whole point of the process is to find out who it is. Well, the whole the fishy thing with that is every single person that would have read that that intercept would have known exactly who it was. 
So the way those things work, and I'm, I, you, you've probably seen some of mm -hmm. these yourself uh, just in the media, but it'll say U.S. person one. Right. Got, right. You know. <laughs> yeah. So at first you're like, okay, there's you know there's a little subterfuge there. Who they're talking about? I know. It's always like U.S. person one. Hey, congratulations for winning the presidency of the United States. <laughs> right. Like, exactly. Who, who was, I wonder who it is. Who was that? Yeah. Right, exactly. But it was Coolidge. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was like U.S. person one called you know uh, called uh, the Russian ambassador to talk about what he's going to do as national. Security security advisor once he becomes a it's something like that yeah. it would have been it's, it was it's, it was blatantly obvious who he was blatantly talking to. obvious so they didn't need the unmasking they was people like uh, uh, Samantha Power Susan Rice they wouldn't need that information so why would they go after so why would they risk this then why bother so I again I think it was to give the appearance of guilt everyone was talking about Russia collusion what better way to show the national security advisor Talking about you know things behind Obama's back before they got into office, something along it just it just sounded you know it again it gave the appearance of guilt, right. and then once they had unmasked it, they have somebody like their friend Ben Rhodes <laughs> who then gets it and is like, hey, you write for the New York Times, here you go, right, right. you know what I mean? It's it it's absolutely ridiculous that it it's this that has blown everything up and caused an impeachment of a president. We actually have more now, and I think you'll see that more here in just a few minutes on, on Glenn's show. There's more evidence here now that Obama and his direct cabinet members were the ones that orchestrated this entire thing. There's more evidence to that than there was of Russia collusion. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I guess this is the question you're, you get asked at the end of every one of these interviews, which is, let's just say... We have incredible evidence and all of this comes through and it's all true. These types of guys, these power players never wind up paying for this stuff. No. Do we actually believe someone like Joe Biden or Barack Obama are going to pay any price if they did something wrong? Of course not. I mean, <laughs> of course not. These people are untouchable. You know, yeah. like how many times do we say, oh, Hillary Clinton's going down for this. Right. We'd wait for the Comey uh, press conference and get ready for the ultimate letdown. I highly doubt. It's just, yeah, like I said, they're protected. It's it's absolutely insane. I mean, tr if you think anyone would do something like this, it would be Trump, right? Like Because Trump obviously like cannot stand Hillary Clinton and cannot, uh, can, cannot stand everything that went on with that. And he's been promising forever to, to throw her in prison and has never done anything about it, right? Yeah. I mean, he has control of the Justice Department and hasn't done that. Is this potentially part of the strategy, though, going towards the election to ramp this stuff up? Um, you know, I think they know some of the storyline already. And this, these can't be surprises to the Trump administration at this point yeah. to bring this this information to the people so they can judge how corrupt the last administration was. Absolutely. And I think it goes, especially going into the, to your point to the next election, is it, it goes to shoving it into the faces of the people that have been saying the Russia stuff is actually a real deal. Joe Biden, mm -hmm. for instance, this week, he's already getting called out for denying having any knowledge of Flynn. Then he goes on an interview and he gets called out for it. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, once he got called out, he's like, oh, uh, I thought you meant something else. Yeah. You're talking about those other kids. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's going to go towards shoving in their face. People like Adam Schiff yeah. that have been saying for, what, years now, sounds weird to say, that he had all the information and he knew and he's got all the people. Now we can read the testimonies in, in closed door where they're saying, nope, no collusion, no evidence. Every single one of them, from Samantha Power to Clapper to Samantha, uh, Susan Rice, all of them said they saw no evidence. But for the past few years, Schiff has been saying he has all the evidence. Mm. Uh, amazing. Uh, Jason Butcherill, uh, his, I think, 59th birthday is this week? 59th. Wow. Yeah, you exactly. look great. Well, I mean, you look all right for 59. 29. How dare you? <laughs> He's the head writer of the Glenn Beck program. Uh, this is a messy story, but they're going to put it in order for you and, and, and make it so it's actually understandable tonight on the big special. Uh, make sure you check that out. And, of course, get more of Jason and Glenn as well. If you're into that kind of thing, you know, I don't know. 
whatever, whatever your thing is, uh, get a Blaze TV subscription. Go to blazetv.com slash stew and use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus, we'll give you a 30% discount. That ends on Friday. So if you want that, don't go slow. Friday is the, is the deadline. Stew is the promo code. blazetv.com slash stew. Back in a minute. Another review on iTunes. Great stupid show. Hi, Stu. I like your stupid show, mainly because you speak in my native language, sarcasm. Therefore, five freaking stars. That's the right amount of stars. Go to blazetv.com slash stew. Promo code is stew. Save 30 bucks for two more days.